Esther Burcham, and I wanted to just do a little review from last week. We were talking about, as we're studying Song of Songs, that we're using the king as symbolic as Jesus, and the Shulamite, or the maiden, or the bride, I'm calling the beloved for the purpose of this study so that everybody can feel like they can relate to the beloved. And the beloved is a believer. And so let me qualify that as a true believer, one who is actively, wholeheartedly pursuing the Lord. So we're going to have the study. Then after that, we're going to have uh, our awesome kingdom men, Ron Bertram and John Maples, lead us in a couple of songs. And then we're going to have two dances. And the first dance is going to be a Hebrew dance to Days of Elijah. And it's a really awesome, celebrating kind of song. It's about, behold, he comes. So one day he's coming back. And we believe it's going to be pretty soon. And uh, so it's very exciting and joyful song. So if you want to join along with us and make an outer circle around our inner circle and just clap your hands and move and celebrate the Lord. And then I'm going to do a solo dance, which is going to have some ministry time with it. But I'll explain about that uh, later before that gets started. So it's about the garden tonight, and gardens are really... Um, special to me. The Lord has spoken to me about gardens and showed me many things about that. I had an experience with the Lord that uh, probably lasted several hours, and he took me to a garden, and in the garden he showed me things through what was there in the garden about himself and about myself, and it was just a really awesome and wonderful time, and a couple of weeks after I'd had that encounter with the Lord, I was here in worship, and Vicki Glisson actually came up, and she hugged me, and we just hugged for a while, and she's like, I felt like I was just in the garden with you, and she started describing the actual things in the garden when I had that encounter. So I felt like the Lord was saying that when we have the experiences with the Lord and we're with Him, that we have that ability to impart it to others, that it's real and tangible as we go out into the world. And uh, another thing that um, touches my heart about the garden is, actually, Pastor Tom gave me a word it was many, many years ago. It was back when we had intercession over here in the sanctuary. And it was just real short and simple. And sometimes, like, when it's really the Lord that gives the word, it's like it has that power to touch your heart so much. And he said, the Lord says you're the flower that he looks for in the morning. And the morning, <laughs> the morning is uh, my special time with the Lord. I wake up early and I go... I like to, if possible, go outside and watch the sun rise, and that's my special time with the Lord. So every morning I'm like, Lord, here I am, listening now, the flower that you look for in the morning, and it touches my heart all over again, and it just is very special to me. So what figurative language does the king use to describe the bride? Song of Songs 412.
You are like a private garden, my treasure, my bride. Mm -hmm. You are like a spring that no one else can drink from, mm -hmm. a fountain of my own. So one of the original thoughts that God had in the very beginning was a garden. So a garden is not ground merely for agricultural purposes, but is for the production of something for beauty and for pleasure. Even though it may have a tree in it or fruit, it's not for commercial use. Its one objective is to produce something beautiful and exotic. Likewise, it is with the bride who exists for the pleasure and satisfaction of her bridegroom, the king. So what has the Lord done in the life of the beloved? Isaiah 51, 3. Isaiah 51, 3, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Mm, thank you, Lord. So the garden represents the soul of the believer. So that's like your personality, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what does the scripture tell us about an open vessel? Numbers 19 through 1915. And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. So the beloved is set apart, set, separated for God for his use only. So from what has the beloved kept herself, and what is the Lord's attitude towards her? James 4, 4 through 5. Uh, James 4, 4 through 5. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So she's kept herself from worldliness, and God jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. So he jealously desires us for himself. So it's not only a garden, but it's a rock garden, which literally means stone heap. So what might the reference to a stone heap signify, and what kind of offering to the Lord is on that altar. Deuteronomy 27, 5 through 7. And these, and there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou mm. shalt not lift up any icon too upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. So the burnt offering and the peace offering are actually free will offerings for those who desire a closer union and fellowship with the Lord. 
So the believer's soul has actually become an altar through which God can fellowship with her. So the burnt offering is symbolic of an entire surrender to the Lord because it's burnt up, it's all gone. So as a man voluntarily offers himself to the Lord, he's offering up his body as a living sacrifice to live a life pleasing to the Lord. And the peace offering is an offering of communion for those who desire that fellowship with the Lord. So what do we find the Lord God doing in the garden at the beginning? Genesis 3, 8 through 9. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So this was God's original thought in the beginning for creating his man and the garden in which they fellowship. So we have become a place where God can walk and fellowship intimately with the desire of his heart. So what grows in the garden or the soul of the beloved? Song of Songs 4, 13 through 14. Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare spices, henna with nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, and every other lovely spice. So we're going to study what the symbolism of each of those things means. So first is um, the orchard of pomegranates which signifies pure and godly thoughts. So in the literal translation is a paradise of godly thoughts. So how is this orchard or paradise of godly thoughts cultivated and grown? Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Psalms 119, 44 through 48. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted Mm -hmm. myself to your commandments. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your command, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. Awesome. So as a result of this orchard of pomegranates having been grown in the beloved's garden, 
thoughts filling the believer's mind. What ability does the believer have? Psalm 119, 98 through 100. Your command make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, because your decrees are my meditation. So it is. Oh, one more. Oh. I understand more than the elders, because I obey your precepts. Awesome. So wiser than enemies, more insight than teachers, and more understanding than elders. So it is with the life of believers when we meditate upon God's word. So secondly, her garden contains choice fruits. To what is this a reference? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And verse 23 says, the gentle, gentleness, self-control, and there is no law against these things. Amen. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord, and our, your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Amen. So henna and nard plants were also found in the garden. So previously, what did the beloved use henna blossoms to describe? Song of Songs 114. It is like a bouquet of sweet henna blossoms from the vineyard of Engedi. So she's speaking about the king, Jesus. So at first, she's saying he's like henna blossoms. Now, he's saying that she is like henna blossoms. And that means that he's saying, I can see myself in you. I see that you're reflecting Jesus to the world. So what is actually happening in the believer's soul? 2 Corinthians 3.18 But whenever, no, I'm sorry. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So the nard perfume gives forth its fragrance. So when did that happen? Song of Songs 112. The king is lying on his couch, enchanted by the fragrance of my perfume. 
So it happens when the king is at his table. And earlier we learned that when you're at the table of the word of the Lord, that's about God's word, feeding on his word. That's the meat of the word. So what did Mary do to express her deep devotion to the Lord? John 12, 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. So note that as a result of her expression of love to Jesus, the whole house was filled with the fragrance. And so it is with us. As we go out, we are spreading that fragrance out to the world and blessing people. So among other fragrances found in the garden were cinnamon and the finest spices. What other reference do we find in regard to this fragrance? Exodus 30, 23 through 30. And the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices. Um, maybe I shouldn't do King James. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I couldn't pronounce the ones that they gave me in King James. Uh, maybe they, okay, the same. Uh, 34 through 37? Yeah. 23 resin, through 30. Yeah. Gather fragrant spices, resin, droplets, mollusk shell, and galbanum, and mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense, weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the mm -hmm. tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. Wow. Never use this formula to make this incense for yourselves. It is reserved for the Lord and you must treat it as holy. Mm. So it's to make the holy anointing oil. So smelling of cinnamon and the spices, the beloved has actually been anointed as a holy place where God can meet with her. As one who is privileged as ministering to the Lord, she's been anointed and set apart for God's use alone. And this morning in intercession, Marion did communion, and it was really awesome. And she led us in a song about, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy, tried and true. But that's what this is. It's, we are that sanctuary, that holy place for the Lord. So in the garden of the beloved was also found all the trees of frankincense. What was one thing for which frankincense was used? Exodus 30, 34 through 37. Okay. <laughs> well, the other one was 23 through 30, but that's, that's okay. So that's the priestly incense. That's okay. <laughs> so the incense was offered morning and evening. With what was this incense offered? Revelation 5, 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And Revelation 8, 
3 through 4. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. So that was a, a song Sunday, and it's a Sunday's worship set. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. So on what sacrificial offering do we find frankincense being placed? Leviticus 2.1. Okay, well, it was the grain offering. So in the grain offering, oh, <laughs> so the grain offering can be offered with the burnt offering or the peace offering, but never with the sin offering because the grain offering is one of those who desire to have fellowship with the Lord and want their lives to be consecrated unto the Lord. So what does... The frankincense poured out on the grain represent Psalm 84.4. How happy are those who can live in your house, always <laughs> singing your praises. Awesome. So the next one is Psalm 149, which is very special to me. Um, if you've seen my car, I've got it on my license tag because the Lord showed me so much through it about dance and how it's worship and how the worship actually is a warfare and did a teaching on that of the dance conference. So I just wanted you to go ahead and read the whole 149. Okay. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people, and he crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. Awesome. So that's what the, the bride lives, a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving. And there's many varieties and ways to praise the Lord. So... In the garden of the believer are myrrh and aloes. In Psalm 45, a song celebrating the king's marriage, what is mentioned as having this fragrance? Psalm 45, 8. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. In ivory palaces, the music of strings entertains you. So that was on the robes of the king, who is Jesus. And garments in Scripture have to do with outward appearance, behavior, and attitudes. With what was Jesus anointed at his death? John nineteen thirty-eight through 40. 
Later, Joseph of Arithmia asked Pilate for the blood of Jesus. Now, now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Of what was Jesus' death an external manifestation? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Awesome. So myrrh and aloe signify the suffering love. So how is she demonstrating the suffering love? First Peter 4, 12 through 19. We talked about this in uh, today's suffering, remember? <laughs> and uh, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. <laughs> Instead, be very glad, for these trials make your partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rest upon you. If you suffer, however, you must not be for murder. <laughs> How far do I have to read? Stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Mm -hmm. For the time has come for judgment, and it, it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God. Good news. And also, in the righteous, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. So how did the apostles demonstrate this suffering love? Acts 5, 40 through 42. His speech persuaded them. They called... had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, shame, to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Wow, they went away rejoicing that they had been considered worthy. Wow. 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 13. For what seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. 
We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer it kindly. When we have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. So in the Song of Songs, they describe this kind of love at the very end. Song of Songs 8, 6 through 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding, unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would not be utterly scorned. Mm. So just to summarize all the things that are in the garden, the orchard of pomegranates is the mind being a paradise of godly thoughts. The choice fruits are the fruit of the Spirit and doing, producing fruit for God, good works and doing good things. So henna and nard is being transformed into the image of Jesus. Nard and saffron are the fragrance of the love and appreciation of the King Calamus and cinnamon mean you were anointed as a holy place for God. Frankincense as a living a life of thanksgiving and praise. And myrrh and aloe is bringing forth the suffering love. So what has brought forth this beautiful foliage in her garden or this transformation of her soul life? Song of Songs 4.15 You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. So what happens in the life of the believer? John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. And John 4.14. 4, but those who drink the water I will give never, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So the well is in the center of the garden, just like the river and the waters in our center coming forth up bubbling up. So what request does the beloved make of the Lord? Song of Songs 416. <clears throat> Awake, north wind, rise up, south wind, blow on my garden, spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love, and taste its finest fruits. So what does wind in the scripture represent? John 3, 8. wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, 
So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Acts 2, 2 and 4. And suddenly there came, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in the natural, the north wind is cold and harsh, and the south wind is pleasant, gentle, and mild. So of what may the north and south winds be representative? Philippians four eleven through 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So the north winds are the negative circumstances that are brought into your life, and the south wind are like the positive things. But God makes positive out of the negative too. So. But the north and south wind represents the different circumstances appointed by God to develop the fragrance of the garden to flow out to the world. So what does Paul wish to happen through this north and south wind experience? Philippians 1.20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Amen. And the amplified version I like of this, it says, but that with the utmost freedom of speech and unfailing courage... Now, as always, heretofore, Christ, the Messiah, will be magnified and get glory and praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through life or through death. So the beloved has come to a place in her life where she doesn't get her delight in the external things, but her delight is in the Lord, and that gives her the joy of the Lord, which is her strength. So we see a picture of this north wind experience in the breaking of the alabaster flask. What happened when the flask was broken? Mark 14.3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. John twelve three. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, and wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the, his fra with the fragrance. So the flask, the alabaster flask being broken can be symbolic of us being broken. And as we are, that fragrance flows out. 
first to the Lord and ministers to him, and then it goes out and fills the house and ministers to other people. And I was just really struck with um, the timing of this study, which the Lord told me to do this one way back, and Sunday's sermon, this just seems to me like it goes so perfectly with that, that what you were saying about how when we go through bad circumstances, we can become bitter unless we have the Lord Jesus and we're looking to Him, and then when we have Him in our life, it takes, makes that fragrance that um, goes out and ministers to other people, and I was just really thinking about the just how everything is going together, the winds and the hurricane and how the trees are blossoming. And I just really was just getting really excited about this yesterday, just really because it was all just coming together. And I just really want to reiterate that I believe that the Lord is just really speaking through everything that's happening right now um, because I've loved the flowers and the garden and everything, I had actually looked up what blooming means, and it means thriving in health, beauty, and vigor, exhibiting the freshness and beauties of youth or health, glowing, a flourishing, healthy condition, growing, prospering, successful, bright, energetic, fresh, radiant. And to blossom means to develop or mature in a promising or healthy way. And so I looked up flourishing as well because Florence means flourishing. So it means to developing rapidly and successfully, to grow luxuriantly, to be in one's prime, thrive and growth, especially as the result of a particularly congenial environment, which I think of as his presence. But when we think about the hurricane coming in and the stress of the hurricane on the trees, actually is what's causing them to blossom. So you think about it in the natural, what is happening, the stress, and then the blossoming and the flourishing. And that's what's happened, I believe, like in this whole area. But really with Global River Church, we blossomed through this time. We, we blossomed and gave the fragrance of the Lord out to the people. So we've been just living out this song of songs. And so I feel like it's individual, personally, as we've gone through these breaking experiences. I just really feel like the Lord was showing me that people are going to be amazed at what God is going to do through you now. That you've, that you've been through these times he's going to use it and he's so pleased because that fragrance has touched his heart so much and it's going out and it's touching people it's we know that people's lives are being transformed because God has used this situation to show his love and then I really got I just got like whacked yesterday <laughs> but I just happened to be reading and I read something called the Amidah. I don't even know if I'm sp saying it right, but it's um, Jewish prayers. And, it's, and I had to look it up, what is the Amidah, after I read it. And it's a, a prayer that's really important to them. That it's a standing prayer that they do, and it's like the core of their worship service. So they pray this prayer very often. And it says, the prayer is, Cause the progeny of David your servant, to blossom quickly. Let him shine in your deliverance, for we await your salvation. 
every day. Blessed are you, Adonai, who causes the light of salvation to blossom. And I was like, wow, just to, to have to read that at this time, because I really feel like that um, it is the end times, and God is going to use this time of going to Israel. We've got that impartation. We know that we can touch people, and they're going to feel that garden, that blossoming. They've been praying for, to, for salvation to blossom, and I just feel like that our prayers, our presence there, our worship, and it's going to have a part. We, get to, we humbly get to have the honor and privilege of getting to be a part of what God's doing here and in the world and in history and in time history. So it's like a very exciting time to be alive. So what did Jesus himself say of the woman's offering of ointment? Because they, they criticized her when she did that. They're like, well, you could have sold that and given the money to the poor. But what did Jesus say about that? Mark fourteen six through 9. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work on me. <clears throat> for, she have the poor, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. She has done what she could. She is, she is come aforehand to anoint my body to burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also has she done, shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. So it's, I feel like the, Jesus is really emphasizing that at first is that ministry to the Lord. It's because of him, and then it flows out and touches other people's life. And it's, so it's for the sole purpose of the Lord, and it's for the sole glory of the Lord to do with as he will. So we see another picture of the North Wind experience in the story of Gideon's army. What was inside the pictures? Judges 7.16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all them with torches inside. As they surrounded the camp of the enemy, what did they do? Judges shouted a sword of the Lord for, for Gideon. So they smashed the jars. So when they smashed the pitchers, the lights shone. And so it is with us. When we are broken and our light of Jesus shines, it's actually a warfare. The, the light is actually causing the darkness to push back. So it's actually warfare. So as a contrasting picture of the south and north wind experience is found in the prophecy of Ezekiel over the dry bones. When Ezekiel prophesied to the four winds to come and breathe upon the slain, what happened? Ezekiel 39, 9 through 10. 
Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So as the Spirit of God breathes upon our garden, what will happen? Romans 8, 11. I love the scriptures. Ever since Jack Taylor's been here, <laughs> kind of been meditating on this one. Romans 8, 11 says that... <clears throat> The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Oh, wow. Awesome. So that's a south wind experience. So one, first of all, she, um, she asked the Lord to come into the garden and do as he sees fit. So we should also invite him into our lives so that he can come into our life and find the relationship and the fruit in our life that he desires to satisfy the needs of his heart. So what is the essence of her prayer here in asking the Lord to come to her and partake of the fruit in her life? Psalm 19.14 May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 1 Peter 2.5. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Yes, Ephesians 5, 10. <laughs> and find out what pleases the Lord. Yes. <laughs> and 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So whether we are here in this, in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. So how does the Lord respond to her invitation to come into her garden? Song of Songs 5.1. Okay. I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather mirror with my spices, and I eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. Young women of Jerusalem, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. So when we invite him to come in, he will, but we have to invite him. So how does Paul explain this desire? What does he press on to attain? Philippians 
Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Amen. What condition does the Lord give those who desire to have him answer them? Jeremiah 33.3. And I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Awesome. So God never imposes on us or forces himself on us. He desires to have that love relationship with every person, but we have to have the desire to know him. So if you think about the multitudes, when Jesus was walking on the earth, there were multitudes, but there were 12 disciples. And of the 12, there was three in the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And of the three, there was one that was the beloved. At the crucifixion, there were four that stayed close by. And by their actions, they showed their love for him. The rest were at a distance with the multitudes. And at the tomb, there was one that stayed and waited. And that was the one that he revealed himself to first as the risen Lord. So does Jesus have favorites? No. Every disciple, every man, every woman chose for himself or herself the degree of the relationship that they desired to have with the master. So in order to have God listen to us, what must we do? Jeremiah 29:12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. What must we do before God will let us find him? Jeremiah 29:13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So there must be a wholeheartedness to it. So first we have to invite him in, and then we have to allow him to do what he wants to do in our garden, what he wants to prune, what he wants to plant, what he wants to grow. And then we actually offer up that garden to him, which is actually, it's his work, his labor of love we're offering back up to him so that he can come into his garden and he can walk and fellowship with us. And that is the desire of his heart from the beginning. So we're going to have... Ron and John are going to come up and lead us in a couple of worship songs, and then we're going to have the Hebrew dance, Days of Elijah, and then I'm going to do a dance actually to a song called A Little Longer. And if there was ever a song that was a theme song for a person's life, this is my song. <laughs> it's about Jesus just saying, just stay a little bit longer with me. I just want to love on you. And uh, as I'm dancing, i I feel like everybody just to pray and ask the Lord, what posture does he want you to take? Because I believe each person here, he knows what you need and he wants to give that to you. So it may be that you're just going to dance with him and romance or you're going to just sit quietly. Maybe you're going to kneel and, you know, say, well, Lord, I don't have that desire. Will you please give it to me? Um, 
Maybe you just want to minister to him instead of asking him for something. Uh, but And this, I really felt very strongly, if you'll recall the, the sculpture that's out on the table out there with the wing over the person that's laying on their face. And I just feel like the Lord wants some of you just to lay down in his presence and just to offer up your broken heart that the brokenness that's been in your life and just to give it to him and just allow him to to apply that balm of Gilead that um, he's going to do something that that's going to be a healing to you. I know in his presence so many things have happened for me like I've been physically healed, emotionally healed, just all kinds of things and so I just feel like everyone if you'll just seek the Lord and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do. And I feel like you don't even have to ask a request because he knows your heart. He loves you so much. And my prayer is for you that you will feel that you are his beloved and he loves you so much. He's chosen you and he's not ashamed of you. Matter of fact, he's proud of you. That was wonderful, beautiful. Lord, I thank you for our ladies who can teach us so much about intimacy and relationship. I've been sensing that so much of this just counters religion, controls, and demands, all the things that many would say God puts on us. No, this often have read this 1 Corinthians 13, and we look at it as a standard that we're supposed to meet. But God is love. (laughs) He's patient and He's kind. He's not jealous, and He's not boastful or proud or rude. And He does not demand His way, and He's not irritable, and He doesn't keep a record of the wrongs. Mm. As the Scripture says, I was reading to my grandson the other day, As far as the east is from the west, he separates from us our sin. I asked Elijah, how far is that? He said, Papa, that's really far. Yeah. And the all-powerful, all-knowing God doesn't remember it. I don't understand it, but it's amazing. So, Lord, we thank you for your love for us. I thank you, Lord, that there would be this revelation in these teachings about the intimacy of God, the desire to be in that place of the the fragrance in the garden, the oneness, the, the chamber. God, we thank you. There's a choice in that. You can have as much of that intimacy as we choose. So, Lord, I pray for a greater a greater revelation of that for all of us here. And we thank you, Lord, now as we uh, go about our business. Lord, I pray for the next three Wednesday night as Walter Goey now comes and he brings a revelation of of both the technical as well as the revelation of knowledge, the things that are being found out about the universe and the origins of all things, the, the depth of that. Lord, I thank you. you we'll, we get wowed by the revelation of what science and what now are being found, not only in archaeology but also in the heavens. So, Lord, your vastness, your amazing greatness. So, Lord, I pray a blessing now. We pray for the house of mercy tomorrow as we... Reopen our pantries are full to overflowing, that you would continue to bless and to to release that blessing to those that are in need as well. 
So bless every family here. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we're grateful that you have chosen us. And we give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary Esther. Thank you, team. Thank our dancers, you guys, and those who've been investing. Praise God.